1: From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest-growing radio talk show, Brian Kilmeade.
2: Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We have uh, coming off, hopefully you had a great weekend, getting stuff done off your checklist, getting set for the holidays as things go back to normal, although in New York I was just stunned to see One of those headlines said New Yorkers back in masks and you realize it's just an advisory. It's up to you. But there's evidently a triple demic going on. You get uh, R R, what is it, RV, or it's the flu or just the old fashioned COVID-19, our fourth variant in a lot of people getting sick. But hopefully you're persevering through it. No one's going to panic and change our lives like we did for a couple of years. Uh, Meanwhile, coming up this hour, Congressman-elect. Dr. Rich McCormick. His life's going to be changed. He is now going to be going into Congress uh, for the first time in Georgia. Uh, We're also going to be joined by John Levine. Uh, John is a New York Post writer at the forefront of a lot of this Hunter Biden story. You're not going to believe his new tactic when it comes to pushing back against the ensuing investigation. So let's get
3: to the big three.
1: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big
3: Three. Number three. You know, there's some concern. That if you, if you engage in this kind of trade, asymm- deeply asymmetrical trade, does it put other Americans in harm's way in the future?
2: Right. Uh, Preet Pahara, he's the one who put Victor Boot behind bars. And the blowback days after the merchant of Death was swapped for 32-year-old WNBA center Brittany uh, Griner is pervasive, widespread, and dare I say, this could all blow back on Biden. Number two. The system is
4: overwhelmed right now with the rescission of the Title 42 authorities without being able to expel people back. It's just incredible the dereliction of this administration uh, in in putting us all at risk.
2: Uh, Ron Video, not waiting for December 12th. The border invasion heats up as Title 42 goes away and acceptance, not expulsion, becomes the law of the land. It's creating a disaster on our border right now like we've never seen before. We'll discuss
5: number one in looking at the Twitter files. I did look and see in Matt Taibbi's Substack where he said that there were weekly meetings between the FBI and DHS and Twitter. I certainly hope that that was part of the National Security Council approved process.
2: Doesn't I highly doubt it, John Radcliffe, who was at the DNI running things when all this was going on. Twitter Files Part 4, links to an intel agency emergence and left-wing bias on COVID, and Hunter are more clear. What we know and why the media isn't bothering to even report it, but we will. So let's begin. Uh, First off, a fourth batch over the last 10 days has been released, uh, thanks to Elon Musk, who is uh, out and about and already talking about free speech, and I think he's done a tremendous job. What I find absolutely stunning, as I mentioned on Friday, and I think on Thursday, is that nobody's picking this up. This is huge news. Now, I thought they'd roll out some commentators and columnists who say it's no big deal. But when you find out that Michelle Obama was contacting Twitter to make sure that Donald Trump was suspended after January 6th, what's he doing? When you find out that this head of business practices is meeting weekly with the FBI, weekly with the FBI, what are you doing? Are you a private company? And then when it comes to COVID-19, they're all over it, squelching or banning people who might have a medical message over an evolving pandemic we still don't know the origins of that may counter what Anthony Fauci wants. I hope that bothers you. Now Michael Snellenberger's is in the middle of it. Uh, he did a whole thing today or yesterday over the whole removal of Donald Trump, what went into it. But as much as people are focused on January 6th and saying whether he deserved it or not, You should not be marginalizing the tweets of a president of the United States and eventually eliminating it. You had other leaders come out and say that, too. The question is, what did Dorsey know? And why would he tell Elon Musk to buy Twitter if he knew he was so susceptible? What is going on? What was going on beneath him that he probably didn't know about? So... Now the administration, the only place they even get any questions, is uh, from Fox. Now the administration scrambling to, to explain this away. But no one's really pressing them that hard. And I don't think that Drew Barrymore is really going to um, press the president on this today. Just have a hunch, just judging by her past interviews about, uh, about makeup in Hollywood when she was famous in the 80s. Here is Daryl Issa on Next Revolution last night from what we know so far. Cut five.
6: What Elon Musk is doing is very brilliantly insulating Twitter from what is likely to be investigations and even charges against the other companies. He took over and he's saying, look, these are individuals. This does not represent the company I bought and paid for. But when you look at Facebook, when you look at Google, boy, uh, to quote an old uh, comedy uh, of of, uh, Lucille Ball, uh, you know, you've got some explaining to do at those other agencies. Those <laughs> companies are not explaining, and as a result, it'll be lawsuits, both civil and criminal, uh, investigations by Congress that are going to be asking them tough questions. Well, quite frankly, we're getting the answers before we asked from Twitter.
2: And they're coming out by the day, and it's easy to get them confused. And the one thing that they're doing is they're commenting on in the middle of these tweets, they're giving their commentary of uh, these reporters. Uh Barry Weiss, Matt Taibbi, and now Michael Snellenberger. And I get it, you want to do it, but I find it I really got to go back and say, wait a second, what did they say? And what is actually a reprint of what they picked up on Slack or what they've been tweeted out to each other or interoffice communications. So it's important. The other thing I wanted to bring up this hour and take you calls right after this this hour, not only that, but this this segment is uh the Hunter Biden story. This is stunning. I had to read it twice. The Washington Post has a story that they have sources that show that Hunter Biden knows he's going to be the subject of investigation, so he wants to get on the offense, no joke. He wants to go after Bobolinsky. He wants to go after any host that defames him, he says defame. Other people think reporting your horrible, drug-addled actions, irresponsible use of a gun and pictures with hookers, and talk about his international business deals. He's also going to go after the computer shop owner. There's a theory to be aggressive. Now, the White House is a different theory. Keep your head down. Don't worry about it. But Hunter Biden went right up to Kevin McCarthy at a big that big French dinner party and said hello, all bold. And they thought, what's that about? Because uh, Kevin McCarthy was there with his wife or his mother. So you're not going to really engage then. And number two, Hunter Biden is out and about going through the White House a lot, trying to do something a little bit more visible, bringing his son out there. No one ever brings up the other son he has uh, by the hooker Um down south no one even acknowledges that didn't make the family photo uh so we're going to come back and talk to congressman-elect rich mccormick about that and also what they plan on achieving in georgia people want to say that georgia's no longer red but outside the special election looks pretty red to me then john levine will expand on what i just discussed with these uh tweets is now exposed with twitter i don't know about you I think I I keep you updated, just so you know. I've added 92,000 followers since Musk took over. Originally, I got hit another quick 25, lost most. Then when he finally got it, I mean, I'm just adding the way I used to add prior to maybe 2018. You're listening to Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here.
1: The fastest growing talk show in America. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Precise, personal, powerful. It's America's weather team in the palm of your hands. Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. He's so busy. He'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade.
2: Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, with me right now in studio, you're watching him on Fox Nation, a very happy guy and very qualified to get started. Congressman-elect Dr. Rich McCormick. Uh, of Now uh, he is in the 6th District of Georgia. Uh, Played, spent a lot of his time as a decorated Marine helicopter pilot, spent more than 20 years in the Marine Corps and Navy, also an emergency room doctor. And now you're going to add something else to your resume. Are you ready? I'm
7: ready. Let's get this on.
2: So what does it mean to you to get this? I mean, you're not somebody without accomplishments, but you seem really fired up to do this.
7: It, it's very humbling because I realize I'm taking part in history, uh, that there's uh, fewer people elected to Congress than have ever been in the NFL and that's
2: historical.
7: Uh, we are going to make some big decisions on how we budget the future of America. I think uh, there's some things that we have to get under control very quickly if we're going to survive as a nation uh, that thrives and gives the same opportunities we always have historically. Uh, this this debt crisis, which it is a crisis, which we keep talking about but not doing anything about, uh, is going to be the biggest expense in government pretty soon. And, and once that happens, we're done.
2: Right, so you want to tackle that, but what service, with your military background, you want to get on armed services. I, I think that'd be a great
7: fit for me. I served uh, with the Marine Corps for sixteen over sixteen years, uh, the Navy for over four years. Uh, spent some time attached to Army forces, foreign forces. Mm-hmm. Uh, from an Air Force family, it's uh, it's something of great interest to me. I have two sons that want to be Marines. Uh, this is very near and dear to my heart, and I see what they're doing to the military. Uh, very cool. Well, think about
2: this, this. Well, is the VAX mandate, I mean, it's, right, right now it is just punishing. So luckily with
7: the, the new NDAA that they just voted on, they are getting rid of that. Uh, but that didn't but bring back. the president back. can veto that, right? That's true. And, and uh, the Senate has to confirm it too. But the, uh, the other problem is that we're not allowing people back in who are already kicked out. And we already have a 40% decline in recruiting, which is pretty uh, concerning to anybody who has to deploy because that means you have to deploy more which affects morale, which makes more people get out. So we're in this cycle that is really unsustainable for the military. If We're going to be a leading nation in the world. uh, We need to reverse
2: that very quickly. Yeah. I mean, they're kicking out between 8 and 12,000. It's also affecting the academies, which are the best of the best. It's just crazy. Did you sense at all? Do you hear from people that are still in this woke mentality?
7: Yeah. Unfortunately, I have two friends of mine who were MARSOC battalion commanders. It's kind of like the, the best job you can possibly have. It's our version of special forces in the Marine Corps. Uh, one of mine was in a Bible study with when I was a junior officer, another guy I played rugby with. And uh, these guys are the best of the best. And one of the things that they noticed is there is actually a change in the mentality of the officer corps, which is really surprising. All, traditionally, we are the last bastion. We're the, the last meritocracy in, in the world where literally it doesn't matter what you look like, where you came oh, from. Yeah. You, you don't have to have any money. It doesn't matter what color you are, what race or religion. You achieve things based on how well you perform, and they 're getting rid of this they 're starting to go to this mentality that they 're teaching in colleges all across the United States, and even the military academies now that it 's about awokeness uh, about equity yes and, and that 's harmful and to see officers uh, reflect that that nature really should be concerning to everybody because if we don 't have the marines or, or anybody in the military standing mm-hmm. for what 's right. Uh, what made America great, then where are we going? Because that's, that's supposed to be the last bastion of meritocracy.
2: So what is your view on the Ukraine war? Uh,
7: I think that uh, we do need to honor our treaties, uh, treaties that honor uh, the fact that they gave up their nuclear arms uh, and that we have an obligation to help them against a very bad player who's, who's an evil man, in my opinion. Uh, how we do it is what we're really debating, in my opinion, uh, I think it's good to supply them with arms, but we need to resupply, resupply our arms. We need to make sure we have a strict accountability. Um, I've been briefed on this quite a bit. I'm looking forward to having some more.
2: Yeah, I mean, accountability, I'm all for. I, I actually just want to give them the weapons they need to be successful. Yes. We have to stop this. You you fight wars. But just from the outsider perspective, I'm, I could imagine being on the front lines of Ukraine watching your – uh, watching your infrastructure blow up and knowing that we have the missile defense to knock this stuff down and we're not doing it. Also, the Israelis. The Israelis got to come around. Iran is taking Russia's side. That's got to bother the Israelis who are afraid of aggravating Russia. I mean, there's some influence you could have there.
7: I, I would say, too, one thing is Russia is not in as good a position as a lot of people think they are. They are losing this war. They are. And, and I think they're losing the word, world prestige. What worries they're fighting me, like it's
2: World War II. Exactly.
7: And, and look at how uh, they, they've been poor performing in, in past wars. They lined up with Iraqi-type uh, tactics. If, if we had a involved in that war, it would have been over before it began.
2: Exactly, and we, we could have been able to give them them, but I guess we, didn't, we were slow walking the whole thing, all in or all out? Well, And here's how where Biden made his mistake. He, he initially gave an
7: out for the Ukrainian leadership to come to the United States and desert. He was still playing the Afghan card where he said, this is going to collapse. This is gonna, we're going to lose. I'm not going to invest early. And that's what put us in this predicament.
2: Well, you know what's interesting is uh, that is also our intelligence that said they were going to fall in a matter of a week. Lucky to last a few days. Ghani was going to be secure. He was never going to leave that. They were going to have a coalition government. He was gone before they even got to Kabul. Our intelligence is not that great on the ground. And so is the rest of the world. And by the way, Vladimir Putin thought he was going to be into Kiev and out real quick. Doesn't that show everything you just mentioned, three
7: nations, basically Ukraine, Russia and Afghanistan, leadership, leadership matters. That's why the presidency of the United States matters uh, leadership sets the bar for everything that happens downwind, whether you win wars or lose wars, whether you're successful economically or anything else.
2: So with Georgia, people are going, well, Herschel Walker lost it, and Warnock won again. Ossoff is Democrat. It shows that Georgia has changed. It's no longer a red state. But if you look at the elections to drill down local and national and see what Kemp did and you did, what do you think the story is? I think this is – first of all, I'll bet
7: you that Camp's not done in politics after being governor. I think we're going to win the Ossoff seat in four years. I think we're going to win back the Warnock seat in six years. I really do. I I think that Georgia is red. I I think um, if you look at our election, specifically myself and Camp both outperformed uh, Herschel by about 10 points, uh, 10 to 11 points. Uh, That's significant. Now, some of that's just because of the tremendous amount of money they brought against Herschel.
2: Uh, some of the stuff that he admitted. 88 percent of all the stories written on Herschel Walker were negative. 88 percent. Of course.
7: Yep. And that's politics. Uh, and unfortunately, we kind of played into that. Now, I love Herschel. I think he would have voted right. Mm-hmm. I think he uh, is a good man. Uh, I think he would have been great for the Senate. We needed him in the Senate. Uh, unfortunately, some of the things he's had uh, in the past just didn't play well in, the, in that media war.
2: Uh, also not getting out in front of some of this stuff uh, on the abortion, especially. And you could just say I've had early in my life made this mistake. And that's why I came to this, uh, you know, this conclusion. Uh, I think President Trump said that. What about you personally? Do you see if this goes as well as you want it to go? Do you see yourself staying in politics, maybe going for that Senate seat? Governor?
7: You know, I really want to try to focus on uh, each day at a time. I think it's it reeks of ambition, and I think that's something we all have to guard ourselves. It's very easy in politics to think that you're the greatest thing. I think about half the people in, in politics think that they're the next president of the United States. It's a very dangerous mindset. I think we have to think of ourselves as servants, as somebody who, who is supposed to be uh, empowering people, not government. And a lot of times when you get intoxicated by politics, you think it's about you. It's not about me.
2: I'm right. uh, uh, actually talking to Congressman-elect uh, Dr. Rich McCormick now. Uh, Georgia, We've got a, one more minute here. And I just want Mike Pompeo, you hear what Mike Pompeo said about the trade when you have the merchant of death for Brittany Griner. Cut 22.
1: The Trump administration was always very clear. We weren't going to trade bad guys for celebrities because it creates the wrong incentives for the bad guys as we go forward. It's not good for American national security. It's not good for people who are traveling across the world but we shouldn't be engaged in the hostage-taking that we see take place around the world. We're a nation of laws. We're a nation that the Constitution governs. This matters. When we get it right, we'll not only have the moral high ground, but we'll keep more American people safe as well.
2: And that's just it. You've got to look down the road. What did we cause by showing that you can get a notorious arms dealer out for a Russian veteran, Soviet veteran, uh, back out. At 55 years old, he's still in the prime of his life. Your thoughts about the swap?
7: Uh, first of all, it's near and dear to my heart because they left behind Paul, who is a Marine. Marine. And somebody who served his country who was wrongfully, in my opinion, wrongfully accused of something uh, and then took somebody who's a celebrity. This this plays into the whole wokeness culture. It's everything that's wrong with America. Uh, actually doing – he talks about how he wants gun control. He wants peace. He wants diplomacy. And he does everything that was based on political correctness rather than on something that's politically effective.
2: Yeah, it's just unbelievable too when you think about uh, Paul Whale well and they say we have other pieces to play. We, what are the pieces? We don't. There's some German – detainee, and Germany's like, yeah, we're not giving this guy up. So, good luck with that. Um, Good luck to you, too. Congressman-elect Dr. Rich McCormick, it's great to meet you. It's great to meet you. And I'm very optimistic. I think you're going to be a huge success. Tell you what, no one's going to outwork you. That's correct. I I have your work ethic, so I hope not. Thank you. Back in a moment.
1: Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
0: We aren't directing private social media companies on how to manage their content. These are decisions that they have to make uh, as appropriate. Now, look, we obviously uh, don't want to see uh, you know, the public square... Uh, polluted with, with hate speech and, and disinformation, that, uh, that that's, not, that's not a good uh, use of uh, uh, the information environment for the American people. Uh, but it's up to these social media companies to determine how they're going to manage uh, their content, how they are going to deliver that content uh, to their users.
2: Yeah, that's fine. But if the FBI is meeting with you every single week and telling you to look out for X, Y, and Z, and most of your former employee, the employees at Twitter, were former employees of the FBI and CIA, I'm pretty sure this is the type of environment that is not going to be fair and balanced. And we know it isn't. Ninety nine percent, according to Elon Musk, ninety nine percent of uh, political donations to the the, the employees at Twitter. One to Democrats, and that's the way they made that operation. And it's all been exposed, even though you would never know it by reading the Washington Post, New York Times, or any other network. Uh, John Levine is with us now, New York Post writer. You hear him; as, you see him all the time in our studio on Fox Nation and now on our channel. John, welcome back.
8: Thank you for having me back, Brian.
2: So, John, you must have been flipping out. I thought about you because you're so—you're always a step ahead with the investigation of the laptop. But now we're getting revelations from Twitter. Now we're on our fourth tranche. Your takeaway?
8: Yeah, it's just, been, it's just been new bombshells every single week, every single day, you know, in some cases we're, we're launching new ones, and I feel like we're really, I guess the word is vindication for a lot of it, because you have a subject like shadow banning, and censoring You know, conservative voices, and really any contrary voices. I know people, Brian, who've been going on to me about shadow banning for like eight years. Eight years. Longer, maybe.
2: Did you doubt them?
8: I never doubted them. I never did because I, I, you can also sort of see, you know, okay, this person has five hundred thousand followers, and they're real followers. You can test to see, you know, how many are bots, how many are are real, and you can see they have five hundred thousand followers, but they're getting ten retweets, two likes. Like this doesn't make sense. (laughs) There's something weird happening here, and Twitter forever said you were imagining it. Oh, it's maybe you should try having better content, Brian. It's just it's you're the problem, you know? And it was so convenient and it was so smug and it was like obviously you're gonna come up with an excuse for why your tweets are terrible, Brian. But the real they were gaslighting us. And now finally we have the proof. And of course the people who lied about this for seven or eight years are not gonna turn around and be like, Oh, you caught us with our hand in the cookie jar. It's like they're just gonna try to power through it. But you know, the American people can see it now. It's clear as day. And there's a historical. I'm not even thinking about the news cycle. I'm thinking about history. I'm thinking about the books that are going to be written five, ten, fifteen years. And this is so important that there is going to be a definitive accounting of the record for historians and for the future. That 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 exists, and that is really I feel vindicated in that.
2: So Matt Taibbi is one of the three reporters asked to bring this forward. One is Barry Weiss, and now Michael Schellenberger. Uh, Stellenberger has been on our show a lot. He's been on our channel, and he's a former Democrat that now is kind of independent, just trying to get things right, and does not believe the world's going to end in five minutes, like every uh, yeah. green
8: uh, Whoa. activist. Whoa! I- iconoclast.
2: Yes. So Matt Taibbi writes. Um, he says, "I'm a believer in uh, Matt Taibbi." He goes, "Yo Roth, this is what he highlights." Uh, it happens. I'm a believer in calendar transparency, but I reached a certain point where my meetings became very interesting to people, and there weren't meeting uh, names generic enough to cover. So people were saying, what are you looking at? Who are you meeting with? So they were meeting with the FBI uh, weekly. Anon- yep. And this anonymous staffer writes, a very boring business meeting that is definitely not happy, but not about Trump. Sarcastic. Yo Yoel Roth writes, pretty much. Your worth rights, fat—definitely not meeting with the FBI. I swear. So they're mocking the fact that obviously they're having meetings that they never should get out. That they knew they were insulated from because they never thought a billionaire would buy it and reveal it. Right.
8: It's sad, you know. You 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 would you would have hoped that a private business would have responded. It was a little more resistance to coercion from our federal government to intrude on their on their private practices, but it seems not. What's really disturbing here is you see the government kind of outsourcing the enforce. The government can't suppress speech directly. Speech can't can't clear free expression in this country. But what they're doing is they're kind of they're kind of leaning on social media companies to shut down speech that they know they themselves can't. And if it's not illegal, it strikes me as very close to illegal and very iffy in terms of you know, violations of our constitutional rights. And I'm sure it's all going to come out in uh, Representative Jim Jordan's uh, sprawling hearing in his House Judiciary Committee of politicization of our intelligence agencies, of which I'm sure this will be a major, major part.
2: So uh, John Kirby, at least, you know, he's on all these networks yesterday, but the only question he got about this was from Shannon – Uh, Shannon Bream on Fox News Sunday, cut one.
0: We aren't directing private social media companies on how to manage their content. These are decisions that they have to make uh, as appropriate. Now, look, we obviously obviously, uh, don't want to see, you know, the public square. Uh, polluted with, with hate speech and and disinformation that, uh, that that's not that's not a good uh, use of uh, uh, the information. So there you
2: go. Here we go. That now you don't have to worry right. about hate speech. What is hate speech? Well, that what hate, hate speech, speech. I'm worried about the QAnon and the Oath Keepers and the president, acti- former president, activating them through some of his te- some of his tweets. So that's why the FBI gave suggestions to yeah. Twitter.
8: Yeah, suggestion. It's like you know, it's like when in these you ever watch any of these mob movies. It's like it might be a good idea for you to uh, give you know pay us to give you some protection. It's like we're not saying you need to do that, but to, you know the FBI think well, it's it's just it might be a good idea if you deleted these. You know, I, I, if the FBI gives you a suggestion, it's, it's hard to take that as anything but you know remove
2: it. So you have two things, you have three things, mainly Donald Trump, the president who wants to get reelected. You have then all of a sudden the pandemic hits and Anthony Fauci decides and, and others what is going to be real, what should be listened to. And anybody who has a counter opinion and it's not so much John Levine and Brian Kilmeade. But what if I told you a Stanford doctor, world renowned, wants to come out and has an opinion on kids getting masked and kids getting vaccine? It's different from what the administration saying. OK,
0: right.
2: well, you know, you you want You don't like my opinion. I don't think you should touch it. But you just say, well, that's a dangerous opinion. But you look at a guy like Jay Bhattacharo, and he is clearly shadow banned and then banned. Cut 10. I'm
6: actually yeah, shows- part of that Louisiana and Missouri attorney general's office suit against the Biden administration already, where we found evidence from a dozen or more federal agencies of regular contact between the government agencies and Twitter and other social media companies telling often people telling them what to censor, sometimes who to censor on COVID issues. There's no doubt in my mind that there was a significant government effort to suppress discussion about COVID policy that contradicted government policy during the pandemic. And it would not surprise me at all to learn that the Twitter's blacklisting of me was in response to something the government was telling Twitter to do.
2: I mean, these are prestigious guys, John. I mean, and they, he can't—they can't believe it. And I imagine if he's out there, he's not exactly a right-wing zealot.
8: No, I mean, this guy's a Stanford University professor. He's yeah. widely respected. I mean, it's one—if I don't think it's right for Twitter to shadow ban and censor, you know, anyone. But if if, if you're going to say, well, it was just—it was just trolls, and it, it, was, it was just conservatives, it, it wasn't just conservatives. And that's what's important for your listeners to get. It, always, it, it never starts with just the hate speech and just the bad guys. It always, that's always the pretext. Eventually it's going to be like, well, okay, you have, a, you have a disagreement about climate change. You think the world's not going to end in five years? You're going to get shadow banned. You don't think we should close down schools? You're going to get shadow banned. And it, you know, the thing about censorship is it never just stops with the thing you're censoring. It has a way of creeping into other areas, and that's why it's so dangerous. And you have to shut it down everywhere, and that means even including and protecting the voices you don't like and you don't agree with.
2: How about Michelle Obama contacting Twitter saying, ban Donald Trump? Really? Every former first lady with your Laura Bush way in, too? What is she doing? How comfortable does she feel contacting a social media company? That she's right. doing that.
8: What is she doing? Clearly very comfortable. I mean, look, we saw the the amount of like oh, a revolving door between government and this company is really unprecedented. You got Jim Baker at the FBI. Then we just discover Fauci's niece is working there. Like mean, who? Schumer's who
2: two daughters. Schumer's daughter. It's
8: like it's it's just like it's like clown car. It's unbelievable. How many? I mean. And at a certain point, this is not a coincidence. This is probably some degree of deliberate policy from Twitter and, and where they can sort of – they Twitter clearly was a willing participant in this. They wanted to have this relationship with the government. Joel Roth does not read like a person meeting with the FBI under duress. I think quite the opposite. So it was clearly a relationship that they wanted. And, you know, being in bed with the government has its advantages too. You know, and I'm and you you don't know what preferential treatment they were receiving, and and at the end of the day, Twitter has interests before the government, and there was there there there, there probably was some degree of one hand washes the other.
2: So I want you to see what uh, what Elon Musk just put out. I think his second to last tweet, he said, uh, pronouns. My pronouns are prosecute Fauci. Really. Prosecute okay. Fauci. So he's about to walk out the door. Everybody except those horrible conservatives think he's a genius and a saint. But upon further review, what he's doing and what he missed and this lack of condemnation on China or curiosity about the origins and unwilling to be open to therapeutics and the pushback on the original Operation Warp Speed when it came to the vaccines. the Don't wear a mask. Wear a mask. The pandemic's not going to be a problem here. All that stuff. This guy gets a pass. But Musk, who voted for Obama twice, and I imagine Biden this time because he has differences with Trump, he yeah. says prosecute Fauci. Right. Well,
8: people forget, you know, notwithstanding everything you said, Anthony Fauci lied about the U.S. funding gain of function research in China at the Wuhan lab, and then and then the NIH had to put out a statement basically being like, no, actually we did fund it. Or it was Eco Health Alliance. So, I mean. Look, at a certain, the end of the day, at a certain point, is perjury a crime in this country or not? Or is it only a crime when certain people committed? You know, Jack Dorsey, former head of Twitter, was running around in in, in House and Senate hearings saying we don't shadow ban, we don't censor. That's just straight up perjury because we now know that they do. We have the primary source documents saying that they do. So what are we going to do about that?
2: Nothing, because the Department of Justice is is right now in the hands of the Democratic Party, even though it should be – uh, apolitical. We know it's not, and nothing's going to be done by Jack Dorsey. Now, clearly, he was not making every decision. Uh, that's okay, true, so he but he CEO, so it does show he was in top, the. Limit. the but it does show he was in the loop on a lot of this.
8: Yeah, yeah. You know, Elon has always been seeming with, willing to give Jack a pass. I don't. I, I don't know that I'm super. I mean, I uh, the buck stops at the top. He was the CEO, so even if he if he wasn't in the loop on every decision, it's. He, he, you know, that's, it's his own—he he allowed himself to be left out of the loop. I guess that's the critical thing.
2: So, so, John, right now, at one point, do you expect that other networks will pick this up? Or is this part of the whole befuddling, it's not news if I don't see it and if I don't report it?
8: Right. I think you've got places like New York Times, CNN, NPR. They are so deep in this Bermuda news triangle— of like hear no evil, see no evil. You've you've got them saying to their audience for years now that all this stuff was just right wing insane conspiracy theories. What are they gonna do? Just do a one eighty? Like, actually it was us. We were the wrong one. I mean, just their audience wouldn't have it. And a lot of these guys just would rather just power through it and hope we get on the other side of the news cycle. You know, it's like going through a storm at sea and just just keep powering through it. because uh, that that is just easier than reckoning with their audience, with the truth, unfortunately. A lot of these guys view themselves, first and foremost, as narrative setters. And and the responsibility is to the narrative, not to whatever happens to be inconveniently true or not.
2: So Jay Bacciara just tweeted this out, uh, well, recently, a few hours ago. I spent the afternoon yesterday at Twitter headquarters at the invitation of Elon Musk to find out more about the trend blacklist that Twitter placed me and more on. A short thread on what I found out follows, and then he has the the following thread, and everybody else is weighing in, and many other people are looking to ignore. Will you pay for your blue check mark? Me? Yeah. <clears throat> Starting oh, today, well, it's know, eight dollars. Yeah,
8: you know. Look, I'll I'll say this. I think it's totally lame to pay eight dollars to have a blue check on Twitter. That's the first thing I'll say. But the second thing I'll say, now that I've said that, is I probably will do it just because everyone else is going to do it. Are you going to do it?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm going to do it. Yeah, at least, at least we know for now on, I want to find out about the investigation, what happened in the past, and I could probably trust it in the future. So game on. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Uh, sure. John, and I'll continue to read your, your columns in the New York Post. John Levine, thanks so much. Thank you for having me. You got it. Uh, when we come back, I'll take your calls. one 408 7669 Listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show.
1: Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to your ears, ears it's Brian Kilmeade.
9: Would you support a Democratic opponent against Senator Cinema? I, I don't...
10: I support progressive candidates all over this country, people who have the guts to take on powerful special interests.
9: Does she have the guts to take on powerful special interests?
10: No, she doesn't. She is a corporate Democrat uh, who has, in fact, along with Senator Manchin, sabotaged Enormously important legislation.
2: Yes, like filibustering, packing the courts, and the and the Build Back Better plan. There would have been like four point five trillion dollars. She said, "Scale it back," and I might be interested. And then Joe Manchin sold her out by doing a deal without even telling her, putting all the pressure on her. What was most one of the most compelling exchanges was John Tester. I guess the whole thing was let's make cinema the number one story this week. Continue to uh, continue to ignore the Twitter story. And is a big story, no doubt about it. So they asked Tester, it's like, you were against the filibuster, right? He goes, yeah. He goes, then why was she taking all the blame for blowing up the fact that you guys wanted to blow up the filibuster? Not a word. Because they never went out there. He would have went along with it. He goes along with everything. Angus King is an independent. No one runs against him because the Democratic Party goes, no, we like Angus King. Let, let them go ahead and run against Kirsten Sinema in two years. If she goes ahead and votes independent and goes across the aisle and be able to get things done and work with the House, where she used to be, you just watch. Come primary time, the Democrats put up their opponent. Okay, fine. You got your nominee. And then Kirsten Sinema is an independent but Democrat. And then you have a Republican. You know these Democrats are going to split the ticket, and a Republican is going to uh, profit from it. He's gonna, he or she uh, will gain from it. You just watch. They're going to overplay their hand. I was stunned to see this. The stats show in 19 states where this study is done. Do you know the independent party is is more popular than Republican and Democrat, and meaning non-party? People who have said they're independent is is growing uh, at a higher rate than people who say they're Republican or Democrat. And so when you have now a third person on the left who say, I'm only going to caucus with the Democrats, but I'm not going to be one, I think that's pretty significant, don't you? Because independence is probably the way to go. And they say the independence party in uh, Arizona is also uh, bigger, especially than the Republican and Democrat party. So that is pretty significant. So if you just keep an eye on where this country's heading, maybe people want people that are going to get things done. I'm not saying that Kirsten Sinema is not going to combine with Democrats to pass some horrible legislation that hopefully will be stopped in the House. But there's also an important thing for you to know is that she did the thing that she probably has to do because... Evidently, all Democrats are so mad at her in Arizona, but Republicans kind of like her. So depending on who's running, she might have made a great personal political move and made it more interesting from here on in in the Senate because the Republicans certainly blew that. Listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't forget, I'll be in Point Pleasant, New Jersey, Friday, McCallum, Texas, on Saturday. BrianKilmeade.com.
1: From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade.
2: Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Thank, I appreciate the uh, coming to you from Forty Eighth and Sixth in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, around the world. Jonathan Turley at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Michael Goodwin right now, a New York Post columnist, Fox News contributor, and we're really focusing on a lot which is going on, and many of which nobody else is doing it, and it is of extreme interest. the betterment of our country, and that is what's been exposed about social media in this country and how it's really manipulating America's thought patterns, what you read and what you hear and what you were able to see, and what's been exposed thanks to Elon Musk and by reporters who are getting access to the communications that exist prior to him making the purchase for $44 billion. So before we get to Michael, let's get to the big three.
1: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's
3: Big Three. Number three. You know, there's some concern that if you if you engage in this kind of trade, asymm- deeply asymmetrical trade, does it put <laughs> other Americans in harm's way in the future? No kidding. Preet Bahara, a no- Democratic
2: stalwart, is the one who put Victor Boot behind, clothes, uh, behind bars. Now there's Victor Boot blowback days after the merchant of death was swapped for a 32-year-old center from the WNBA. Number two.
4: The system is overwhelmed right now with the rescission of the Title 42 authorities without being able to expel people back. It's just incredible the dereliction of this administration uh, in, in putting us all at risk.
2: Huh. Ron Vitiello, not wait, not waiting for December 12th. That is when Title 42 expires. When that goes away... Our borders are expected to be flooded, but I am seeing video right now and over the weekend that shows thousands upon thousands are coming to our border in a way that Bill Malouche has not even seen before. We are being invaded. Evil intentions or not, we have no idea. This has got to stop.
11: Number
5: one. In looking at the Twitter files, I did look and see in Matt Taibbi's Substack where he said that there were weekly meetings between the FBI and DHS and Twitter. I certainly hope that that was part of the National Security Council approved process.
2: John Radcliffe, former DNI director. Twitter Files Part 4. Links to intel agencies emerge and left-wing bias on COVID and Hunter are more clear. What we know and why the media isn't bothering to even report it, but we will. Michael Goodwin joins us now. Uh, Michael, you used to write for the New York Times. I know you wrote about their strike, their pseudo-strike. But let's talk about what Elon Musk has done. He struck into the heart of social media and the monopoly, but no one seems to be paying attention. I don't know. It reminds me a little of the Hunter Biden story.
10: (laughs) Good morning, Brian. Uh, yes, and uh, you used a word I think that would have been banned on Twitter had you put it in a tweet. Uh, you called the southern border situation an invasion. Uh, that's the sort of language that Twitter wouldn't allow conservatives to use. It had to be, you know, just sort of a good thing. It had to be positive about America, about America's role in the world. And the more we learn about what was going on, in Twitter, the more it sounds like almost like a child's game. I mean, you have these far, far left people. I mean, so far left, Brian, that it's almost impossible to describe them even as Democrats. I mean, they are like the progressive uh, cream of the progressive crop. And they even effectively invented a new language to describe their prejudices. It's, you know, amplification or it's uh, uh, not to be amplified. I mean, they never quite. It's almost a 1984 kind of language that is the opposite of what it is they're actually doing. They never use the word suppress. They put a bot on something. They 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 do different things. Yeah, we'll we'll tag this, and it's all it's all got this kind of justification. Like everybody here agrees. Everybody here. Thinks alike. Uh, you've got the revolving door of James Baker from from the FBI to Twitter. Uh, it's sort of like the the revolving door of Congress and lobbyists. Here you have the FBI and Twitter. Uh, they have these these relationships with. Uh, we know the FBI. We don't know if there are other the CIA, but we know the Democratic Party has a. a, a a propaganda arm and an enforcement arm at Twitter. And so the things that the Democratic Party doesn't like somehow mysteriously get banned or restricted on Twitter I mean the phrase shadow banning right it's beautiful it doesn't really quite tell you what it is except when you see the impact that people cannot see your tweet right it's restricted how they do all this their their manipulation of the technology their manipulation of language all in service to, of, of an ideology. I mean, this is quite something we have not seen before, although, of course, it's very much straight out of 1984, George or- Orwell's uh, description of how the state smothers everything, twists everything to use it to its own service. And so, in this case, misinformation is something the Democrats don't want to hear right? Truth is something the Democrats do want to hear. And so everything gets labeled according to its ideology. And we are never to be known this. In fact, we probably still wouldn't know this had it not been for the Hunter Biden saga, because it was so clear there that what it was, was was ideology and not
2: facts. You know, and with their exchange, they kind of knew they did it. They said, oh, my goodness, basically, what are we doing? And they couldn't stay. They all shut it down. But it was so obvious it shouldn't have been shut down. You shut down the press secretary's Twitter account for replaying, a, for uh, retweeting a story in the oldest newspaper in the country. And they kind of the internal uh, dialogue shows that they thought, "Uh oh, we're in over our heads now. But because there was nobody calling them out, they have an election and anything to get rid of Donald Trump. But, Michael, the other thing that was pretty clear, Kevin McCarthy joined me on uh, One Nation on Saturday night. And he said, we're not stopping just on here. We want to know about the 51, mostly 41, 40 plus were CIA guys. I think 43 were CIA people. Why they signed off on saying the Hunter Biden laptop was classic Russian disinformation. Listen to what he wants to do.
6: THOSE 51 INTEL AGENTS THAT SIGNED A LETTER THAT SAID THE HUNTER BIDEN INFORMATION WAS ALL WRONG, WAS RUSSIA COLLUSION, MANY OF THEM HAVE A SECURITY CLEARANCE. WE'RE GOING TO BRING THEM BEFORE COMMITTEE. I'M GOING TO HAVE THEM HAVE A hearing. Bring them and subpoena them before committee. Why did they sign it? Why did they lie to the American public? A Clapper, a Brennan. Why did you use the reputation that America was able to give to you more information, but use it for a political purpose and lie to the American public? It's exactly what Adam Schiff has done to us, and this has got to
2: stop. And remember, that factored into the debate. He you said, you're a Hunter Biden laptop. you know Hunter, your son doing this. No, there were 51 intel agencies that said, then Chris Wallace jumped on them, and they just moved on. That was the moment. Meanwhile, Joe Biden lying, knowing the laptop was real, the the communications authentic. They know his his crack addicted son's pictures were on it, and he went along with it. Fifty one intel agency ag- experts said it was it, including people I like like Mike Morrell and Leon Panetta. Tends to C- start as a Republican. Michael Hayden worked for was appointed by George W. Bush. They all. Say, this is r- classic Russian disinformation. No, nobody even looked into it themselves. But that is all part of the conspiracy.
10: Well, Brian, and what's interesting about that is, uh, as a, one of my readers wrote to me, and I published Sunday, a, a little item uh, – So now we know the laptop is authentic, right? I mean, the Post knew it all along, but let's let's just stipulate that it is now almost universally recognized as true, right? The New York Times authenticated, Washington Post, many others. So where are these 51 now? Why are they not concerned about Joe Biden, given that the laptop was true? So if if the laptop is true... Doesn't it mean that Joe Biden profited from hunters' businesses with China? It means that Joe really is the big guy. It means that Tony Bobolinsky told the truth. So if all of these things are now true, why aren't these 51 intelligence officers going crazy saying Joe Biden is compromised with China and Russia? Why have they not, you know, yet woken up to the reality that the laptop is true and the implications of that fact.
2: So I got to give Rokahana credit. He's a very nice guy, by the way, and he's a Bernie mm-hmm. Sanders guy. I obviously don't agree with him, but I agree with him. He, he got into this for the right reason, I think. So he represents most of that area. And here's, uh, here's one cut of what he said yesterday with Maria. Cut three.
12: I think if we want any hope of coming together as a country, the first thing we have to do is say uh, people should be able to express their view. We can't tell people who we disagree with, please just be silenced. We don't want to hear you. We don't want to engage with you. Uh, Let me tell you, that's just going to create further polarization, further alienation. And I've been surprised how many Republicans who don't agree with a single thing I said uh, believe, okay, at least we can uh, have a dialogue. And that, I think, is the first step to being together as Americans. We could all pledge allegiance to the Constitution, to the First Amendment. That's what makes us Americans.
2: You went on to say this. Cut two.
12: Don't think what I did was anything exceptional. I was just standing up for our Constitution and for our First Amendment. It is wrong to censor newspapers. It is wrong to censor journalists. Look, the New York Post hasn't written a kind thing about me in my six years in Congress. Uh, They're a conservative uh, point-of-view paper. But that doesn't mean that you can stop uh, publishing their pieces or articles. And and
2: they found out in communication that he was upset by this in 2020. And then he just said, listen, I'll I'll do it. I don't think I did anything extraordinary. Yeah, Rokahana, you did, because nobody else did it.
10: Wouldn't it be something if Rokahana or someone who believes as he believes was the leader of the Democratic Party? I mean think of what again, think of imagine what a different party that would be. He is exceptional within that party and that's the problem. You have not heard a single Democrat other than him come out and talk about what we have discovered with the Twitter censorship. Not a one of them. Not Chuck Schumer, certainly not Nancy Pelosi, not Joe Biden. Not they. You know why, Brian? Because they were all happy. They were happy to Twitter doing their dirty work. They
2: were. They're, 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 Chuck Schumer's two daughters work at Twitter.
13: Yeah.
10: Well, Anthony
2: Fauci's they, daughter works at Twitter.
10: It's a captive institution of the Democratic Party. It is there to was. do the bidding of the Democratic Party. Its staff, what, 99% of its financial contributions yeah. went to Democratic candidates? It is synonymous with the Democratic Party.
2: You know, here's the thing. If President Trump kept his powder dry, this after the election, and all this stuff came up, and he was just declared when he wanted to declare— let this stuff come up. You don't take documents, even to cause, even though he had no evil intent, I believe. But you don't take documents. You don't make things harder for yourself. He'd be about to have a. He'd have people clamoring for a run again. They'd see how things were biased against him. They will work in this before January 6th to make sure he didn't get elected again. Anything to make sure Trump didn't win an election. That's what it seems. And if you think that they're going to back off and say Ron DeSantis is more palatable or Nikki Haley makes more sense, we'll just come back. Facebook will just go back and play it even again. That They're going to go after him just as hard.
10: No, no question. And they will use the same tools. I mean, again, The Washington Post, The New York Times, they are not covering what's happening at Twitter. They are not they are not writing about these releases. They do not find it to be a problem because they have been doing something similar on their own. Every time Donald Trump opened his mouth for the last four years, The New York Times called it a lie. They, they they call him a liar. Not Hillary Clinton, n- not not uh, Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer. Only Republicans are hit with that label, and that is the problem. Uh, it, it it is such a lock on the left that is the Twitter that the Twitter revelations have not broken open the left and and brought more rocahanas in that the 51 intelligence officers haven't come bef- haven't asked to come before congress yeah. or even sign a new letter saying we were wrong we were we were misled who misled you i think it was the the biden team i mean look john brennan is james clapper they got their jobs to go on television and to continue to defend the Obama administration and the Biden administration. That's what they're doing. They are uh, Michael Hayden somewhere lost the plot. He had a stroke he used to be a respectable <laughs> person. He became a partisan. Somehow this disease infected otherwise honorable people. And they, uh, you know, whether it's Trump derangement syndrome or whatever it is you want to call it, they all fell into the same talking points. And none of them apparently could think for themselves. None of them were worried about the erosion of civil liberties, the erosion of free speech. None of them seemed to care. And Brian, to this moment, there's no evidence that they care now. There's no evidence of remorse.
2: Uh, Michael, there's so much to write about. I know you you, you have so much to choose from, and I'm just uh, I'm upset that even if the New York Times wanted to vilify something there that they didn't like, how can you ignore it? It's depressing to see people ignore a major story because it makes them look bad or their candidate look bad, uh, and they do have candidates. Michael Goodwin, thanks so much.
10: My pleasure, Brian. Thank
2: you. All right, I'm going to come back, take some calls. I see your numbers up there. And then Jonathan Turley, he was sick last week, but was still able to write. And what he's able to say shows that Jack Dorsey could be in some legal trouble. We'll discuss it when we come back. Brian Kilmeade Show.
1: Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real this is the brian kilmeade show
2: hey welcome back everybody let's go out to dean listen on wabc in new jersey hey dean
14: yeah how you doing brian you know i heard you say that uh for uh the laptop we wouldn't be hearing any of this but michael if you can go back a little further than that it was trump if it wasn't for trump we would have Hillary Clinton running against Jeb Bush, and Jeb Bush would have lost, Hillary Clinton would have won, and none of this would be exposed. They all went bananas, and they didn't care what they exposed of themselves that they'd been doing all along, because they wanted Trump out. And now they're exposed.
2: Thank Dean, you. Dean, the other thing is, I think, like I said at the end, what I said to Michael, if you think it's just Trump... If DeSantis gets the nomination, they're going to come out after him and make him seem just as uh, just as unpalatable as Trump, just as demonic as they do Trump. They're not going to stop.
14: I understand they're not going to stop. But let me let me just tell you this story about the the guy who broke the four minute mile. Right. It was Roger Bannister. Roger Bannister broke the four minute mile when everybody, the the physicists, the biologists, everybody said the human body cannot run faster than four minute mile. He breaks the four minute mile, but that's not the that's not the thing that did it. After he broke the four minute mile, within three months, five other people did it, and that's where Ron DeSantis came from, and that's where all these other people are going oh, to get. There's no from. doubt
2: about it. And does he have you? If Trump runs, does he have your vote? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Dean in WABC in New Jersey, you got one, Mr. President.
1: Show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
5: In looking at the Twitter files, I did look and see in Matt Taibbi's Substack where he said that there were weekly meetings between the FBI and DHS uh, and Twitter, and I know there are whistleblowers that are saying that as well. But Matt Taibbi also says there was only one reference to my office uh, and someone liaising with my office. And I assume that that I certainly hope that that was part of the National Security Council approved process for election security briefings.
2: So that was John Ratcliffe, DNI. He was a director of national intelligence and left out of the loop on this. It seems Jonathan Turley uh, has been studying all this while recovering from the flu himself. It hasn't stopped him from putting out some great columns on this. Jonathan, so. Radcliffe, you could see, is for him, he's a calm guy. He was was totally befuddled by this, that the DNI has been brought into this and he had nothing to do with it.
13: Yeah, I think that that's part of what is fascinating about these files coming out, is that it's really pulling back the curtain on uh, how these agencies rather were quite bold in holding these uh, direct contact. We had previous... Uh, evidence that the CDC, for example, uh, reached out to uh, deal with what were considered unauthorized or unapproved viewpoints that had to be removed uh, from Twitter. Um, What you really see is this sense of license that existed, and it existed because they knew that both the media and Twitter had their back, that they they were protected. Uh, They could go ahead and do precisely what some of us had been writing in the media. So you've got to keep in mind that these government officials were meeting with Twitter when many of us were writing columns saying this really looks like censorship by surrogate. It looks like Twitter is dealing with the government and carrying out its wishes. These officials were not deterred at all by those columns. They went ahead and had these meetings.
2: They did. And why would Jack Dorsey, from what we know right now, not only urge Elon Musk to buy it, but then was on him to start letting out more information. Don't do it little by little. Get it all out there. Well, it turned out James Baker was blocking some of it, stopped Taibbi and uh, Barry Weiss from doing it. But having said that, doesn't kind of weird? You you know the you know the the mind of somebody that might have screwed up. I've never n- known that approach. Let me sell it to somebody that could actually buy it and out me. Yeah. You know, it, 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 i I got to tell
13: you, I find Dorsey's character to be almost uh, Shakespearean. It's it's so complex and, and rather tragic. It's not clear if he was a dupe or the designated defendant. You know, the it's clear that they were engaging in suppressive techniques. It's clear that they were doing shadow banning. It's clear that they were censoring. So the question is, did he know that or was he sort of a dupe? You know, that he was just out of the loop. And Musk himself has sort of suggested that he might have been out of the loop, even though he was a member of one of these internal secret committees that was engaging in censorship. Um, There there were critical players at, at Twitter that were sort of the censors in chief, and they were the ones making these decisions. But what Dorsey said to Congress under oath appears to be untrue. And, and, and therefore, he is at risk. Uh, I assume he is, has he is gone out and, and, and retained counsel because he's going to need it. Now, it doesn't mean that he's going to be prosecuted. I expect that Merrick Garland is not going to be inclined to prosecute uh, Dorsey or anyone at, at Twitter. But it could get increasingly embarrassing uh, because that that's the segment that's being played on Fox News even though it's being ignored by other media, does appear to be a false
5: statement under oath unless we're missing something.
2: So here's what else Radcliffe said to Maria yesterday. Cut six.
5: The Office of the Director of National Intelligence would have only been authorized to participate in Trump National Security Council approved and coordinated process for uh, election security briefings to groups of private companies. So it would include companies like Twitter, but many other companies, YouTube, Microsoft, uh, as well as state election officials to talk about threats. None of those meetings, but Maria, would have had anything to do with content moderation much less anything to do with uh, specifically about the Biden laptop as Russian disinformation. So there never would have been any authority or reason for anyone uh, within the intelligence community to be saying anything otherwise. You know, I think that's pretty clearly stated.
2: So here's the director of national intelligence reading this communication, internal communication, Slack and tweets and emails and saying what we wouldn't. Ne- I never would have authorized this. Yeah, and
13: what we're seeing from these files is something that's quite different. Uh, you know, th- this is part of the, uh, the reason, I think, that you're seeing most of the networks bearing the story. It's like the Hunter Biden uh, laptop. Uh, you just won't read about these files on uh, other networks. And the reason is that they're highly invested in it because what these files suggest is that the public has been lied to not just by people like Dorsey potentially but also by these networks you know they're simply running out of runway of denial you know these are censorship apologists who first said there was no censorship then said there was no you know blocking banning suppressing throttling um all of that appears to be shattered now by Musk's release of this information And so the only thing that they have is just to not cover it, but it's not going to work. You know, the problem is you've got Fox News, you've got Wall Street Journal, New York Post, other media outlets that are going to be reporting this. And uh, at the end, the House is going to open this up, and it's going to open up the Hunter Biden manner, It's also going to open up the social media stuff. And so I think that this is all going to come crashing down, as it often does, when you have a censorship system. The more serious question we have to ask ourselves is whether we have a new type of state media problem. You know, the Constitution was written to deal with the old type of state media. You know, you've got a ministry of information, a propaganda ministry. But what we've really seen is you don't need that. You can have a state media by consent. You know that's not by compulsion or coercion.
2: Well, you, you, everything everything you're saying is correct. Obviously, nobody wants that. Clearly, I was also interviewing um, Tom. Uh, I forgot his name. Uh, another FBI agent who just wrote a book about what went on in the FBI, it says after 9-11, the FBI changed its mandate. Instead of investigating crimes that happened, they were trying to get ahead of the next attack, the next terror attack. To do that, they had to tap in and get permission, we know all about the FISA, to, to stay ahead of the next terrorist attack, to track down forensically who's getting paid and where the money was coming from, who would be the next agent, who was talking from out of country into our country. And that whole mindset has led us to, and that skill set has led us to the point where the FBI is saying, okay, let's stop the next attack here that's going to be perpetrated by the words of Donald Trump or one of his sycophants or one of his supporters. Let's start shadow banning them. So that mindset changed, uh, changed since Mueller took over the FBI. Their mission changed. Well, I think that's true. You
13: also see that with things like the Widmer kidnapping plot. Tom Baker,
2: where, by the way. Yeah, uh, yeah where
13: they where the FBI there were more FBI agents and conspirators in that case. I uh, but I also think it's even broader than that. This whole idea that speech itself is harmful, that what we have to be afraid of is free speech, is really coming from universities originally, and it's now metastasized throughout the political system. And that's what's really behind all this. Once the people in Twitter were given the license to protect us against free speech, then they just gave full sort of venting to their bias. And you see that in these – these issues, You see those when, for example, Donald Trump sends out what's a truthful story uh, where he was talking about some problem with a postal office, and Twitter pounced on it. And it turned out that they then realized it was true. But instead of sort of reexamining how they're dealing with free speech, there was sort of an attaboy that was sent saying, good work on the speed of that. Right? You read that, you're like, what good work? It, it was a truthful story. You went to – Deathcon, D one, you know, on a story that turned out you could have just Googled and found out was true.
2: So uh, so when you say that uh, Jack Torsey could be in legal trouble... Th- People have told me, "Well, did he get? Did he volunteer to come in? Was he sworn into his testimony?" And you have to have an attorney general that wants to prosecute him, and it's not likely because it makes the, he was out there some way, directly or indirectly, protecting the democratic point of view. It wouldn't behoove them to do it. It's it's as if if Trump was in office, the attorney general going after the CEO of Truth Social.
13: Well, then unfortunately, I wrote a column uh, a while back called the. Uh, amazing shrinking Merrick Garland, and and I and I'm very disappointed about it because I, I supported his nomination. I thought he was a great choice, but he has not, unfortunately, uh, reached the expectations that some of us had of him. He he's been accused of being fairly biased, of aggressively pursuing Republicans, conservatives, pro-life groups, and not showing the same. Uh, aggression or interest on the other side. And the expectation today is that he would be a hard sell to get any prosecution of someone like Dorsey. The big question about Dorsey is whether some of these key Twitter officials left him in the dark to give him plausible deniability, knowing that he would be asked about censorship, if he asked about, you know, suppressive techniques, Uh, whether he was kept in the dark so he could say no. I, but that may be a case of willful blindness. He might've been just a dupe or he might've known, but we're going to likely find out. So the problem for, I think, Merrick Garland is that the house could present a very strong case for prosecution. Garland just went after a series of Trump people uh, over statements that were misleading or false. Um, He could be facing a number of cases of contempt, or, or false testimony that's going to really put him in a bind uh, to either show that he's consistent or that he's rather hypocritical in how he brings these cases.
2: Well, the one thing is, it's pretty clear that Twitter's not going to be a problem anymore. Yeah, you know, There might be things that certain things get on and certain things is hate speech and isn't. And the, the old-fashioned way of debating what hate speech is, I love that. That's the old fa- as opposed to just foot speech I disagree with. Number two is, will Facebook, YouTube, whatever emerges next, be forced, to, be forced to comply as well and straighten out their act?
13: Yeah, I think that's true. And if this was happening at Facebook, it's almost uh, uh, ridiculous to suggest that it was not happening at these other companies. The only reason we know about this is that we have an eccentric billionaire who believes in free speech and was willing to put billions of dollars Down to expose this. That obviously is not happening at Facebook or YouTube or these other companies. They still have that sense of absolute impunity uh, to do what they're doing. Um, That may come to an end with the House investigation, Uh, but the assumption is that the same type of thing, if not greater, was being done uh, at these other companies. You know, Dorsey himself was not viewed as antagonistic towards. Uh, Free speech. His replacement, Ackerwall, was openly antagonistic to free speech. And so it's funny because between the two, Dorsey was viewed as the least offensive of the two. Ackerwall was a bloody nightmare for those of us in the free speech community. I mean, he said he was tired of talking about who should be allowed to speak and instead wanted to focus on who should be allowed to be heard. I mean, it it was just Orwellian. I, but Dorsey, the biggest, what is clear is that at a minimum, Dorsey failed to actually inform himself of what was happening. And at worst, he may have committed a crime. He may have committed perjury.
2: So lastly, uh, Hunter Biden is going to be in the crosshairs of these investigators. Plus, he's got a gun charge, an ongoing FBI investigation. I guess they're confused about something. They have an ongoing investigation. It goes on for years. Um, so he is uh, pondering as you know, in a Washington Post story, getting on the offensive, uh, going after Tony Bobolinsky, going after John Paul Mac Isaac, who owned the, uh, the, lap t- the laptop repair shop where the laptop was dropped off by him, evidently in a drug induced stupor. Uh, his attorney, Kevin Morris, and a good friend of his and benefactor who paid off his $2 million delinquent tax bill, says they might go after Fox News, Eric Trump, Rudy Giuliani, or anybody else who goes after him. What about this strategy?
13: Yeah, I wrote about this in the New York Post, and it, because of the, the Washington Post story really uh, shocked me. Because it, being in this town a long time, these types of scorched earth campaigns are generally not public. People like the Clinton campaign would do things like the Steele dossier and utter secret, even denying to the media that they funded. Uh, that effort. Um, so, this was really weird because suddenly the Washington Post was not only being given the story, but given access. These people were giving direct quotes to the Post saying, Yeah, we're going to go after all these key witnesses. We're going to bring defamation lawsuits. And you're really saying, Well, why would they want to do this? And the concern is that this is an effort to intimidate witnesses. Whether it's intended, it certainly would have that effect. And so, uh, you know, you name someone like Tony Bobulinski. Now, this guy is a very key witness. He was the business advisor brought in by the Bidens. He stands in direct contradiction to what the president of the United States has repeatedly told the public. And so the Washington Post reports that they're going to go after him, that they're working aggressively to to bag this guy. Well, that sounds a lot like an intimidating type of, of campaign
2: yeah and they said option two is just to keep their head down and ignore it. I go with option two uh, with the arrogance of anybody to green light that first uh that first option when you know how guilty he is and what he what we know of in the video and the and the um and the email exchanges. Jonathan, I look forward to your continuing coverage of this we're on we're on tranch number four. I look forward to the rest. thanks, Jonathan. yeah
13: thanks Brian
2: uh when we come back. I'll take your calls one eight six six four oh eight seven six six nine. So glad you're here Brian kill me, Joe.
1: The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade.
2: Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, Special thanks to everybody for KFTK for coming out and seeing me Friday night at the Missouri Athletic Club. had a chance to see Mark Reardon and Mark Cox uh, and just had a great time uh, seeing everybody there. So it was just uh, to see everybody out there, to see the passion they have for the country. And by the way, one of the finest clubs around in the country, and Annie Fry, of course of one of the finest clubs in the country and just be able to go there and, and sign everybody's book. is just great. And one of the big things, the biggest, biggest thing, one of the biggest things that ever happened to the show was when KTFK decided to first air it on delay and then take it live. And the people of St. Louis has really embraced it. It was my perfect mix because there is like the Canton, Ohio of soccer or the Herman trophy award winners, which is like the Heisman for college soccer from Alexi Laos to Tony Miola is on there. And, uh, John Harkes and his son, so you, to see that and then have to mix that with uh, history and news was just a perfect night. So thanks. I hope to see everyone in Point Pleasant on on Friday night, right in New Jersey, and then Saturday in McCallum, Texas. For having to, to to find out details and make your reservation, just go to BrianKillme dot com. And it's all about the president and freedom fighter Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and the battle to save America's soul. Even though it's on paperback, i got new information in there. And I think if you get it out real quick, if you make the order now online, I could personalize it for you for the holidays. But it's got to be today or tomorrow, I, I would think. Although I'm not diminishing the postal system, I sometimes worry about the execution. Brian Kilmeachow, so glad you're here.
1: news radio studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade.
2: Hi everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmead show coming to you from 48th and 6th in uh, Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, around the world. And once again, I'll say I can't take it for granted anymore. Uh, seeing the Christmas tree at this time of year, Rockefeller Center, this feels like 2019. Last year didn't. Uh, the year before obviously didn't. And this year, you know, the tree was up. And remember, they, they originally said you can look at the tree, but you can't stop walking. You had to just keep it. It was the craziest thing. But now that the New York City is packed. But when I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is I do the talk in New York for for W.A.B.C. And Mark Thiessen's here, my guest. And first five. I big stories. the stores. first thing
15: you did was put on your mask.
2: Yeah, oh, excuse me. This is the wrong show.
15: I, 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 do you, well, I'm who, sorry. Did I go to the wrong studio? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right. I thought I was at another No, what I was do, my facial mask. I do like to keep my skin youthful. Of course, yeah. That's right. why you look so young. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, yeah. exactly.
2: But uh, you, the first five stories are all horrific crimes. I mean, of being thrown on the tracks. Yeah. Uh, a guy in a Mercedes, someone comes, stops and goes talk to him. Then he gets ripped out of the car, stabbed in the arm. They try to take all his money in his Mercedes pants. So you, it's still crime, but American people are still coming here.
15: I'm I'm from New York. I grew up here. I grew up here in the 80s before and then Rudy Giuliani came in and cleaned it up. So I saw before Squeegee and then I saw afterward and I've never seen it this bad. I I come up now. I've I've been coming up recently. I came up for the election for the first time. I've been in New York in a long time. I've been coming up a few times to do to do shows here. It's unbelievable. And the you know, I remember the the growing up, the smell of New York was always urine. It's now marijuana. It's like you can I walking up the street to my hotel today Four people smoking marijuana on the street. I mean it's literally you cannot walk a block in New York without the wafting smell of marijuana coming in your face, or stepping over homeless people who are sleeping on the street. I mean, it's just and I I and you know it's funny. And it's Rudy, dirty. Rudy cleaned up. So I I remember going in the in the seventies and eighties, going to Times Square to watch Kung Fu movies because that was where all the there was a theater that showed all Bruce Lee movies. And it was nothing but Kung Fu movies. Uh, por- like porn stores, things like that. And then Rudy cleaned it up and turned it into, into Disneyland. And now it's Disneyland with a bunch of gangs and homeless people living in I guess it. We're it's getting, like if yeah. they opened up the gates of Disneyland and like allowed anybody to walk in and live on the street and fight and do drugs like that, that's what it would be. It's just – it's the right. transformation is just unbelievable.
2: Don't worry. Help is on the way. Casinos are coming. So oh, that'll good. Bring- <laughs> Absolutely, yeah.
15: They always bring out the best element it does. in America, right? Well, let's
2: find out. Uh, I think this might be sponsored. Uh, the big 3 <laughs> Let's go to the Big Three.
1: Now with the stories you need to know, yeah, yeah, it's Brian's story. Big Three. Okay. A Christmas gift that's even more alluring than lingerie? Naturally nude pajamas by Pajamagram. Sensuous and soft. They look just as seductive as they feel. Get naturally nude pajamas today at Pajamagram.com. Number three.
3: You know, there's some concern that if you, if you engage in this kind of trade, asymm- deeply asymmetrical trade, does it put other Americans in harm's way in the future?
2: How about yes? Preet Bharara, of all people, on Meet the Press yesterday, the one who arrested Victor Boot, or she put him in jail, prosecuted him, the blowback uh, days after the merchant of death was swapped for a 32-year-old center from the WNBA. Number two.
4: The system is overwhelmed right now with the rescission of the Title 42 authorities without being able to expel people back. It's just incredible, the dereliction of this administration uh, in in putting us all at risk.
2: Uh, that is Ron Vitiello. What's happening right now is flat-out criminal. There's a border invasion happening. Title 42 is going to expire December 12th. They're not waiting. Bill Malusian, who's been there for two and a half years, says he's never in his life seen anything like who you saw over the weekend and what we're seeing today. They expected as bad as 18,000. He was watching 1,000 cross just in front of him into El Paso. That Democratic mayor, remember him, who was saying, "Okay, we got to bust these people out. Now suddenly he's gone silent.
4: Number one.
5: In looking at the Twitter files, I did look and see in Matt Taibbi's substack where he said that there were weekly meetings between the FBI and DHS and Twitter. I certainly hope that that was part of the National Security Council approved
2: process. He didn't know, and he was Director of National Intelligence, John Radcliffe. Part number four of the Twitter files is unleashed. It links to intel agency emerges and left wing bias on COVID and Hunter are more clear. What we know, uh, what we know now, and why the media isn't bothering to even report it. And uh, Mark, um, even though I prematurely said hello to you because you're such a great guy, I cannot resist. Uh, I am shocked if you told me that four tranches of internal dialogue was released to the public. I would think there'd be columnists to say it means nothing, but I never thought there'd be zero coverage of it.
15: Yeah, no, it's amazing. I mean, first of all, for people who aren't watching on Fox News, I'm wearing my naturally nude uh, pajamas right now. <laughs> That's all I can ask. <laughs> no, no, no. And I don't I, I, I look fabulous. Let me just say this,
2: Mark. <laughs> you're not paying attention because you put your headsets on slow. These are naturally nude pajamas for that certain someone in your life. No one wants to see Mark Tyson in oh, a naturally, naturally nude pajamas. You don't want to see me naturally <laughs> <nude>? <laughs> Can can you please not put down my great sponsors who come back every year annually?
15: I'm I'm in favor of your great sponsors, and I will I guess I will buy a pair for my for the special someone in my life. Right. Um, so anyway, yeah, no, it's 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 incredible. I mean, just what it's very clear that there has been an there was in Twitter an unprecedented collusion between the FBI, the intelligence community, uh, the Biden campaign, and social media to suppress what was a major news story uh in, in and and not just that story the Hunter Biden laptop but conservatives in general you know the you know every election i've i've been through so many of them because i'm so old but you know the, the the every election there's an october surprise but we've never had a situation where the fbi has been having weekly phone calls telling people watch out for the october surprise and and get ready to suppress it and 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 here's the thing that people don't a lot of people don't realize is that so they they were warning That there would be an October surprise. There would be some sort of foreign uh, disinformation and it might relate to Hunter Biden, according to U.L. Roth, right? And at the time, the FBI was in possession of the laptop. So they knew it wasn't Russian disinformation. They knew it was legit. I'm sure they did the same. You know, the uh, Catherine Herridge at CBS, our former colleague here, went and like looked at it all, and a year later, and got it and and, and re- verified it. The Washington Post verified it l- long after after the fact. They had it in real time. You think if they, if, they, if 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 uh, if CBS and the Washington Post could verify it now, they couldn't verify it at the time. So they knew it wasn't Russian disinformation, and yet they were warning Twitter to suppress it as Russian disinformation.
2: So you realize it all relates to what was the FBI up to with the Rush phony rush investigation yeah. and the Durham report and then the then the Trump presidency from the Trump candidacy to the Trump presidency and then different people different names what are they doing now I want to see these whistleblowers front and center the old fashioned FBI guys where you didn't know if they were right or left and you know you probably don't even care you never I never think politics when it comes to the FBI I will never not think politics exactly. from here on in so just to, just Picture this. The director of national intelligence is getting this information for the first time. Thanks to Elon Musk. Listen to what he was saying. Cut six.
5: The office of the director of national intelligence would have only been authorized to participate in Trump National Security Council approved and coordinated process for Uh, election security briefings to groups of private companies. So it would include companies like Twitter, but many other companies, YouTube, Microsoft, uh, as well as state election officials, to talk about threats. None of those meetings, Maria, would have had anything to do with content moderation much less anything to do with uh, specifically about uh, the Biden laptop as Russian disinformation. So there never would have been any authority or reason for anyone uh, within the intelligence community to be saying anything otherwise. You know, I think that's pretty clearly
2: stated. He was sitting there going, this was happening. Now, the question is, Christopher Wray, could he could he actually if I was to interview Christopher Wray, could he say the same thing like I did not authorize this?
15: It's possible. I mean, think
2: about this. To the so, king
15: of England? So Yo- Yoel Roth, not in the Twitter files, but in, in a, fi- in a uh, filing to the, a sworn statement to the FEC, the Federal Election Commission, because the RNC actually filed a complaint against Twitter about this, about the suppression of the laptop. And he said he was having weekly meetings, not just with the FBI, but the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. John Ratcliffe is the head of that office. Did he know that that his people were having weekly meetings he seems to be saying he, se- no. he seems to be saying no. So, I mean, maybe Chris Ray didn't know about this either. Maybe this is, a, is, is something that's happening below below that level, which you would think when you're dealing with something as sensitive as information relating to a presidential campaign, it would have to be approved at the at the highest level. Uh so and the other thing that you know we need to get to the bottom of this letter from the 51 intelligence officials former intelligence officials. In exactly. I've been a, I've been a part of letters like this. Now, you know
2: I didn't know 43 were CIA. Yeah.
15: Um but but here's the thing. Usually these letters get generated by somebody. There's an there's a first mover who writes takes pen puts it to paper and then it gets circulated by somebody to to all these people and they decide to sign it or not. My hunch is Where did in or it a come, clapper. W- yeah, maybe. Um, but was it also at the, uh, the usually an intelligence official? These people have contacts back at the agency. They wouldn't sign something like this if they didn't go back to their to people inside the agency and ask, "Is is do you think this is true? What is your thoughts on this?" So. We need to get – all 51 of those people need to be called up to testify in Congress and explain. We need to get to the bottom of how, who generated that letter. Did someone in the intel community suggest it to Brennan and Clapper? Uh, how, did it, how did it get generated? Who sent it around? Who circulated? Who wrote it? There's so much information that we need to get to the bottom of. This is a scandal of un, unmitigated proportions.
2: So the, the front page of the New York Post today, and so Kevin McCarthy was on me Saturday night on One Nation – And he was the one, that was the show where he said what his intent was, which is going to uh, really please you, Mark Thiessen. Let's listen.
6: Those 51 intel agents that signed a letter that said the Hunter Biden information was all wrong, was Russia collusion, many of them have a security clearance. We're going to bring them before committee. I'm going to have them have a hearing. Bring them and subpoena them before committee. Why did they sign it? Why did they lie to the American public? A Clapper, a Brennan. Why did you use the reputation that America was able to give to you more information, but use it for a political purpose and lie to the American public? It's exactly what Adam Schiff has done to us, and this has got to stop.
15: He's 100 percent right. And also, every one of those people should be asked, do you disavow the letter now? In hindsight, knowing what you know today, because David Priest was on with Brett Bayer a few months ago. We should
2: bring, we and, should bring that back. And
15: he, and he yeah. refused to – he said, I didn't do anything wrong.
2: No, you know what he said. What? He said, if you it can't... looks like Russian information. I didn't say it was. It looks like this <laughs> is you, what they're And if, you, doing... if,
15: we, if we're not smart enough to understand what he meant by that, then, then that's not his fault. He's not, he's not responsible for us being and stupid.
2: I know you played this out in your head. Go back to the debate. Oh, yeah. So when this makes big news, it's time for Donald Trump. We now tested. He was probably on. He probably had COVID at the time. Mm-hmm. So he clearly was the worst debate ever. Mm-hmm. He has this moment where he waits for the Hunter Biden laptop stuff to come up. And immediately Joe Biden, we know is lying. Yep. He said 51 intel officials came out and said all this. So they used it. It was brought up by Chris Wallace, brings it up as moderator, backed up by Joe Biden. And then Donald Trump was sitting there and they moved on to another topic.
15: Yeah. So so. Not only did they not uh, call into question what Joe Biden was saying about this being Russian disinformation, CNN actually their fact checkers actually questioned whether did Donald Trump bring up Russian disinformation in the debate. So they actually did not know that they, they they not only did they they not question what Joe Biden was saying, just took it as fact. But they but they, and this is why you know there was there was a there was a poll that came out recently, Gallup poll I think it was showed that eighty percent of Americans. Uh, believe that the media is a threat to democracy. In fact, according to this poll, more Americans think the media, the corporate media is a threat to democracy than think Donald Trump is a threat to democracy. It, it, it is – this is an institution that has been absolutely decimated in its, in its credibility. And why has it been decimated? Because of the Russia collusion conspiracy theory that they pushed for so long, which ended up not being true, which the Hunter Biden laptop story, which they suppressed and told us was Russian information, turned out not to be true. No institution has done more damage to its own credibility and destroyed itself. And this is why – and uh, you know that when, when Donald Trump comes out after the election and says the election was stolen – even, it wasn't stolen and and we know that now, and every even even Trump judges said it wasn't stolen. The person you would turn to normally would the the objective source would be the media to say, what are the facts, true or not true? And when they said it wasn't true, nobody believed them because they they're like the boy who cried wolf At at so at some point you know when when you're finally telling the truth about something, no one believes you, I know. It's, it's it's And it's very bad for our democracy to Correct. not have a neutral arbiter of truth that people can trust.
2: Well, I mean, I remember when Joe Rogan is bringing up to people, you know, the laptop is real. What do you mean? Like Rob Reiner didn't even know. Like some of these people don't even know that this stuff has been the New York Times, Washington Post, their trusted sources, CBS, have come out and said it's real. So a lot of these celebrities, people are just reading in their lane, don't even think that. I'm going to ignore this for agenda. They don't even think that they might be
15: off. Well, they don't even know it's happening a lot of the time if they're not paying attention to us. Right. Because, because – so think about this. If you're, if you're a conservative in the world, right, and you're watching Fox News and like that, you still can't get away from liberal opinion because it's everywhere. It's yeah. in TV. It's in, th- in, the, and it's I in enjoy TV the shows too. like that. And, and even if you're trying to read me like that, you can't get away. If you're a liberal and you want to live in a silo. You can because they, we yeah. don't own the culture the same way, right? Absolutely. So, so they can literally – there are people in this country who do not see the images that Bill Maluchin is showing us now about about what's happening on the border, who do not know that the border crisis is what it is. They don't know about the Hunter Biden laptop story. They don't think this is stuff is important because
2: they're not even aware it's happening. But I am aware of a break. When we come back, that Bill, <laughs> that Bill Priest guy that was on yeah. with Brett, we're going to bring back that sound to Excellent. expand on what you said. Excellent. Uh, are you just saying that or you mean it?
15: Uh, exactly. Absolutely.
2: Back in a moment.
15: (laughs)
1: Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
11: The purpose of the letter is to have an effect. And the nuance that you're talking about here never made it to candidate Biden because he said it plainly on a debate stage. That obviously affected the dynamic,
8: Man. don't you think? I would absolutely love for all news media to show nuance on all of these issues instead of racing to sound bites. And in this case, some news media raced to sound bites. That's not helpful for the American people. And you I really think wish your that people was
15: helpful for the American people. Well, instead of quoting one sentence from
8: it, if people actually read maybe an entire paragraph. It shows in that we don't know if you don't it's think Russian. It affected anything? I don't know if it affected anything. But we don't analyze to. American political well, environments.
2: So that that was Bill Priest, and he was one of the people that signed off the 51 Intel experts that said these is classic Russian disinformation. He's trying to defend himself, Mark Deason.
15: Well, and we didn't get to the point where he said, if you're not smart enough to to uh, to be able to tell the difference between is and could, then uh, it's that's not what my he said. Fault. Yeah, it's not my fault. This could be you Russian know, disinformation. Didn't say it didn't. You know, it, it's, it's it's. And who financed? Who bought the ad? Yeah. No, oh, exactly right. I mean we need to get to the bottom of this. These people – this, this, the, you know, they, the fascinating thing is they were claiming that they were trying to stop Russian disinformation from affecting the election. But instead they spread American disinformation claiming Russian disinformation, which 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 may have affected the election. It's so just
2: a- here's an example, Mark. Can you imagine if word got out when Bush against Gore that there was – the DWI was going to emerge and the president got a DWI. Was he in college? Uh, right after college, it provided maybe the point or two difference that made this thing be a runoff that almost cost the president's presidency. But that was the October surprise yeah. in the last few weeks that President George W. Bush had a DWI.
15: So and and
2: and what if the FBI got a hold of that and suppressed it? And they said, sorry about that, because we don't want we don't want Al Gore to win.
15: Or do you remember the uh, the the uh, October surprise about Bush and the uh, and uh, and the National Guard? That that uh, that Dan tur- Rather, Dan Rather, that turned out to be written in a font that didn't exist back then. Right. right. It was clearly he still
2: swears he was right. Yeah, he was right.
15: It, it, it wasn't. It was a lie. And, you know, no one suppressed that. And that was disinformation. That was a someone came up with an October surprise that was actually fabricated. CBS News went with it, reported it almost affected the uh, the outcome of the election. Here you have the opposite happening where our intelligence and and law enforcement officials were engaged in. Again, the FBI had the laptop. They had the laptop. They knew it wasn't Russian disinformation. I can't believe they didn't do forensics on it. But
2: And what about the fact that he's going to come out aggressively against Bobolinsky and others? That he said defamed him. That's one of the things that Hunter Biden might be doing. Unbelievable. It's credible, Mark, what are you going to do now?
15: Uh, I'm going to go home.
2: That's allowed.
9: Yeah.
15: Mark
2: teasing <laughs> gave, gave us all some quality time. <laughs> Brett Baer next. You like Brett, right? I love
15: Brett.
1: Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
9: As a native
5: Arizonan who was born and raised near the southern border, I can tell you unequivocally that the federal government has failed its duty in the last 40 years.
3: Not just Democrats.
5: Not, it's just everyone. The federal government has failed here.
2: Kristen Sinema. Yeah, the federal government has failed, but he says failed for 20 years, and I think that's disingenuous because one thing about President Trump, he's fa- he fired a lot of people uh, in order to get to the right person. He had the right policies in place. A lot of people didn't like him, but you cannot say it was not effective, unlike this. And we know uh, Senator Cinema made news because she went independent on Thursday or Friday of last week. Brett Baer joins us now, Chief political anchor of Fox News, getting set to host his show. Hey, Brett, welcome back. Hey, Brian. So anytime a Democrat comes out outside Henry Cuellar and says the border is uh, is being ignored by the Democratic Party, it's noteworthy. But she did couch it by saying for 20 years, both parties use it for politics. Where is she heading with this move in her career, do you think?
11: Well, I think she sees an uphill battle as a Democrat um, in Arizona and wants to kind of up her independent bona fides to to maybe attract Republicans, which is possible. Um, However, uh, I think she's going to face a challenge on the left in Arizona. Uh, She's up next cycle, and uh, potentially that is uh, not a great thing for Democrats in a cycle that's already going to be upside down for them on the seats that they're defending. I, I think she has the backing of a number of Republicans on a number of different issues, and she's talked extensively with um, Mitch McConnell. So, you know, potentially uh, you get one more uh, going independent and uh, you have a change of the Senate.
2: In what way? That If they keep saying we're going to caucus with Democrats?
11: Yeah. Well, I mean, they wouldn't have to caucus with Democrats. Yeah. I mean, if they made a deal um, and that they have the decision, you know, who's the uh, which way the, the ball is bouncing. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm just saying that. Or that close, and it makes a
2: difference. So here's Ro Khanna on, and the reason why we bring this up, it's just these horrific scenes of these thousands of people. That when Bill Malusian is stunned by the number of people coming to the border after two and a half years being camped there in El Paso, he says there was a thousand people walked up today, and there was bigger than anything he's ever seen in one day in one in such a short period of time. This is a emergency with with December 3rd, 12th looming next week. That's when Title 42 evaporates. Here's Rokihana on this. Cut 15.
12: I think he should go, and I expect he will go. But the more important thing is how do we solve this issue? We can start with some basic principles. A nation needs borders. Those borders should be secure. At the same time, we need some orderly process uh, for immigration. We need to be able to uh, recognize asylum claims. That's based on our fundamental values as a country, but we also need to have a process where people can come here without having to uh, cross the border if they want to work here in an orderly process. And right, there right. Are bills so, that- so
2: he's talking about the easy stuff that uh, that everyone agrees on to make work permits maybe easier to maybe adjust the criteria. But now you have two Democrats admitting the border is not secure. I imagine Kelly did it during the election. Now that we're out of the election cycle. Will this help more democrats or stop more democrats from coming forward to see, to see what we all say?
11: Well, I think it has to help, uh, especially in those border um States And it's impossible to ignore. Uh, But it's not just the border states that we've talked about many times in that these folks are going to a lot of different states. And more importantly, that the enforcement of fentanyl coming across the border is affecting every state. I mean, you look at a place like New Hampshire. it's seeing exponential fentanyl deaths, as is Ohio and the Midwest and, and other places. So, um, you know, it's not just the actual people. It's also the drugs and the uh, cartels moving across that border. And whether you're a Democrat or Republican or right. alien, you understand that it's um,
2: it's a problem. So, Brett, uh, we know December 12th is coming, and we know now the administration is going to ask for $3 billion to build more tents and more facilities For illegals. I mean, I don't even know what they're talking about, security. But In theory, hire more border patrol, but you can't get any people to take that job in great numbers anymore. So now they're going to color Republicans as playing politics if they don't sign off on it. How do you see this playing out?
11: Well, I think, you know— it's a long time coming as far as what we've seen. So Republicans have been talking about it forever. And um, I think Democrats are, are late to the game, but they're going to put the pressure on them because we're up against another fiscal cliff. You know, the funding of, of the government, let alone the end of Title 42. So I think it's uh, a combination of all those things, and Republicans will probably sign off on it.
2: On $3 billion, just to build more tents? I hope they don't. they got to get something for this. Like, for yeah, example, commitment to
11: for it, somebody will get something for it. But it's I, I guarantee you that when push comes to shove, uh, three billion in the big picture is going to uh, probably happen to help those states along the border.
2: But if you but I want to see you help those states, but if you don't build any barrier and if you don't yeah, do any change, change in uh, the consulates in these in these countries of origin, nothing's going to nothing's going to change except for Catholic charities is going to get richer exactly it's
11: listen it's, it's a long term problem that there has to be solution for you could get on the back of an envelope and, and Democrats and Republicans could work together, but both sides, to Cinema's point, have used it when it came to election time. I think Democrats more than Republicans on, um, you know, in the past about saying that we, that Republicans were uh, somehow cold-hearted to the situation. But we're we're past all of that. The the kids I that are so. being kept on the border on, there are more of them now than there were when all the Democrats were on the border talking about that.
2: So, uh, Brett Baer, our guest, obviously. Brett, the prisoner swap is not going away. Everyone's glad, glad any time an American comes home. But for, on what price? It looks like the Trump administration walked away from a Paul Whalen for uh, for the uh, Victor Boot exchange because it was not equal, let alone a center in the WNBA. So, Preet Bharara, who put him behind bars, obviously a Democrat and an anti-Trumper said this yesterday. He's trying to pretend as if this isn't the worst deal ever. Cut 18.
3: At the same time, you might imagine that not as just a general prosecutor, but the prosecutor who oversaw the prosecution and conviction of Victor Boot has a view about how dangerous a person he was. He's, as you said, someone who was convicted at trial by unanimous jury of conspiracy to kill Americans. Uh, He was convicted of conspiracy to provide material support to terrorists. Uh, He's on tape with confidential informants, planning to sell hundreds of surface-to-air air missiles to the FARC, also sell 30,000 uh, AK-47s to the FARC for the stated purpose of shooting down American helicopters in Colombia. So he's a dangerous man then. I don't know how dangerous he, <clears throat> he is now.
2: At 55, the, the contacts are still there. He looks in perfect health. So he's trying to be measured. You know if it was Trump that did, he wouldn't even be measured. But having said that... Upon further review, I'm not sure how good this deal looks. What do you think?
11: Yeah, I, I don't think so. Just on its face, obviously you have to have the cash well, I'm not for it, but go I'm, ahead. Yeah, any time an American comes home, that's a great thing. But as far as a deal goes, it's it's just not a a strong deal considering that. Not only Paul Whalen, but uh, Mark Fogel is still there under similar circumstances as Brittany Greiner, uh, not in a different category of, of classification of being held. And, you know, why in either administration wasn't this a priority? If you're going to do that big of a deal that you get more than one person. I think it was a lot of um, – you know, there's all, all kinds of people are talking about wh- why it happened. Uh, the NSC and John Kirby are saying it was either this or nothing. Um, but it also was high profile. And uh, the White House has talked a lot about um, the personality in Brittany Griner.
2: I also think there was a, a huge uh, there was a huge interview over the weekend with Jamie Dimon, who is man, is he politically savvy? He knows the politics. He knows the energy. He obviously knows money at J.P. Morgan uh, Chase. I would think that this guy, if he was younger and had and had the inclination, he would be a great candidate for either party. He says in his heart he's a Democrat, but in his head he's a Republican. But having said that, this is what he was talking about when it comes to energy. Cut 29.
10: Carbon emissions are going up because nations rich and poor around the world are turning on back on their coal plants. Mm-hmm. They cannot afford expensive energy. And they can't afford no energy. So, you know, to me, to solve climate, we kind of need all of the above. Permitting, plans... Gas is the best and cleanest way to reduce coal, which is mm-hmm. the best way to reduce CO2. So a you know, really thoughtful policy, comprehensive policy will get us there. But it also is military policy, economic policy, including trade. So when I say economic, I'm talking about you know trade is one thing, but economic is investment rights. Uh, so, so anything that relates to national security will have to be re ch- changed.
2: And he talked about the Inflation Reduction Act alienating Europe. And mo- most people say, well, who cares? America first. But Europe has a say in this, too. If they do a... European reduc- Inflation Reduction Act, which is probably falsely named as much as ours is, and it's all Europe. That will hurt us as if people still got to think long term in terms of how the ripple effect of what we do, let alone the domestic effect. I just thought, thought the interview just removed politics and went to practicality, especially as it comes to energy. Yeah
11: I think that he has talked about that numerous times up on Capitol Hill and elsewhere it's a good grasp of it he talks to all of the energy folks on all sides green energy as well as chevron exxon all of those folks and um you know it's not good versus evil it's kind of in a put in a way of yeah. we can get to cleaner energy but we have to get there over time with everything, all of the above. You know, in the long run, scientists will tell you that we likely are going to find something that is the next energy source, whether it's fusion or something else. But it's, it can't happen tomorrow. And it hurts us if we think it can or force it to.
2: It's like when you, re- when you lose the free market principles involved in things of national security, whether it's pharmaceuticals, you have to make biotech lucrative. You have to. Because it's got to be a way to get the greatest minds with the mo- most financially resourced people together in order to pioneer something new. And if your goal of if, uh, beating polio or smallpox, if you get rich doing that, I am more than happy because of the lives you saved. And what they're trying to do, and maybe in an honest way, is they're taking the financial incentive out of these things and they're stopping innovation when it comes to uh, energy if it's, it's not all green. And I just wish there was someone who could remove the politics uh, and bring back free market principles in this and not have either party gain from it and just have the American yeah, well, people. I think it's
11: hurt. I think it has hurt the Democratic Party and some of these purple states trying to defend some of these actions. And you didn't see it in this midterm, I think, for a number of other reasons, other factors. Abortion. But I think long term, it will be a hurt if they have to defend these actions that don't seem practical as Jamie Dime is talking about.
2: Brett, have you thought about a panel tonight, or do you want to just end with more of a band instead of the, and have more yeah. musical ends? And special just, report?
11: You know, when I sat on Fox & Friends, there was the marching band
2: yes. that came
11: in. <laughs> I thought that that was ah, a pos- yeah. a possibility on a right. Monday.
2: I mean, do you want to meet with your producers, <laughs> and maybe there's too much <laughs> emphasis on insight and information in the last That's block, true. and yeah, be yeah, more musical? Be lighter.
11: I mean look I'm talking to Jesse so right. I mean it, it's it's it should be a little lighter. No I've got Brit Hume tonight that's going to be good. I've also got this segment we do every week called Common Ground where we bring left and right together and um, we're going to see if we can find some tonight.
2: All right good and Brad I just had just you're the impression that nobody's covering the Twitter revelations.
11: Oh my gosh. It's insane. It's really insane. Think about think about the opposite which we always have to do in the prism of if this thing was from a different perspective, it's just remarkable. And um, eventually they're going to have to cover it. Otherwise they're going to
2: look stupid. Right. Well, it took two and a half years to admit the Hunter Biden laptop is real. Soon they're going to really, Elon Musk is a real person. And these uh, communications and Slack, uh, the Slack emails are actually authentic. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, we'll yeah. see what we're doing in two and a half years. Brett, thanks so much. We'll see, Brett. All right. Uh, when we come back, it's all you. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Um, or you go to briankilmead.com just click on comments, and then I'll get it. Read it.
1: Honest commentary, unique opinions, no agenda. It's Brian Kilmead. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade show.
2: But in actuality, um, his weapons might have been used to kill Americans. He has not killed Americans. I'm not saying he's not a nasty, bad guy. But I will tell you that I believe that Americans should know that the sovereignty of their nation will always be behind them. Unbelievable. That is uh, Sheila Jackson Lee commenting on the swap, prisoner swap. Brittany Griner, 32 years old. I think she might even be innocent of even what she's been charged with. I believe they never should have been held up like this. Held for nine months in Russia. This guy was arrested in a very sophisticated takedown. And he is known as the merchant of death. There's no way this swap is equal. We always judge human life, care about human life more than Iran, Russia, North Korea are of common opponents, China. But this was not a swap that's going to do anything but make other celebrities be susceptible. I'm telling you right now, if you are in Russia and you're a teacher or exchange student, you got to get out. Because you'll be able to some, somebody else will find something in your suitcase or in your apartment, and you might be 100% innocent, but you're going to be stuck behind enemy lines. And they're going to make your life miserable until word gets out how you're being treated and the American people put so much pressure the Russians will get another valuable asset out. They're working on this other guy. I was trying to kill somebody in Germany, and they're trying to they're trying to get the uh, the U.S. to pressure Germany to release this guy in exchange for Paul Whalen. I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I don't have a roster of everybody that we have. We put people through trial. We don't make stuff up. Paul Whalen's not a spy. He's a Marine who was visiting a friend in Russia who had this thing called a wedding. So he went there and he gets caught and he gets stayed and he's still there and he's evidently he's in hell because it is freezing. He's working outdoors and every day is a challenge. And they like when he calls and pleads his case. Fiona Hill, not a fan of Trump, obviously, uh, testified against him in the impeachment, but worked under John Bolton. Cut 20.
9: Well, look, at the particular um, time, um, I also have to say here that uh, President Trump wasn't especially interested in engaging in that swap uh, for Uh, also Paul Whelan. He was not particularly interested in uh, Paul's case in the way that one would have thought he would be. Uh, Ambassador Bolton uh, met with um, Elizabeth Whelan, Paul's um, sister. I was uh, at that meeting as well. There was a lot of attention being paid to this and trying to find ways of uh, arranging um, Paul's uh, release by all uh, different parts of uh, the U.S. government.
2: All right. So she goes, I'll say something, but I want you to hear the rest of her comment. Cut twenty-one.
9: But, of course, there was a big debate about Victor Boot himself. I mean, as we see now as well, the absurdity of the Russians asking for the release of uh, a notorious arms dealer as well as somebody who'd been convicted of large-scale narcotics uh, smuggling in return for American citizens who had been um, either set up, in the case of uh, Paul Whelan, and uh, later uh, imprisoned, in the case of Trevor Reed and Brittany Griner, uh, for uh, very minor infractions uh, that would have been handled differently in different cases.
2: So, obviously, the folly of it. And she doesn't want to make Trump look good or the administration look good ever. She likes John Bolton. John Bolton likes her. And he's saying the fact that they turned down a whaling for Victor Boot because Victor Boot is everything that she just described. So, that's why I think it's important for me to bring non political people into play. Nothing against Brittany Griner. I feel terrible for her. Uh, another thing is people talk about it's time for youth, it's time for women's sports to get more money. Why does she have to go to Russia and get paid three times what she does uh, for? in a short period of time than she does in WNBA. I don't know. It's the marketplace that rules. More people are interested in men's basketball. Ask LeBron James to split his salary with with Brittany Griner. See how that goes. That's just where it is. I think women's tennis at one point was more popular than men's tennis. They got more where they should have.
1: With the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.